Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. The message from Washington, D.C., U.S. manufacturing is, quote, roaring back. That's how Vice President Mike Pence described the industry after a positive jobs report last month. This theme carried part of President Trump's State of the Union address earlier this week. And while the number of jobs has increased over the last year, experts say manufacturing in the U.S. has not yet fully recovered from before the recession in 2008. Today, where we live, we look at manufacturing here in Connecticut. We'll talk to a Farmington, Connecticut company, one of 4,500 manufacturers in the state. A rebound in available jobs is great, as long as companies can find skilled workers to fill them. Coming up, we'll find out how Goodwin College in East Hartford is working with the state to train the next generation of manufacturing workers. President of Goodwin College, Mark Scheinberg, will join us. That's just ahead. But first, let's talk about the economy with the head of the state agency in charge of Connecticut's economic growth. In studio with me now is Catherine Smith, Commissioner of Connecticut's Department of Economic and Community Development, known as DECD, and she's headed that agency since 2011. Commissioner Smith, welcome, Commissioner Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lucy. Glad to be with you. I wanted to talk first about um, the message coming out of Washington. Uh, we know uh, earlier this month, uh, President uh, Trump uh, was in Switzerland for the annual World Economic Forum. He spoke a lot about his America First agenda. He was quoted as saying, there's never been a better time to do business in America. Do you agree with the president? I I do agree with the president. Um, I think, you know, especially in manufacturing, we are seeing uh, a, you know, resurgence of really important manufacturing jobs here in the state. I'm not certain the president deserves all the credit. A lot of the, I think the reason this is happening is because of seeds that were planted many years ago, uh, and principally by the companies, recognizing that innovation is really important in manufacturing, that their best source of innovation was really here in the United States. And and I'm proud to say that Connecticut is really a leader in innovation in our key industries, aerospace, shipbuilding, and medical devices. And so I think that's uh, in part why we've seen a turnaround in our manufacturing jobs here. We heard the president say uh, Tuesday night uh, that uh, under uh, the administration, they've created 2.4 million new jobs, including 200,000 new jobs in manufacturing alone. What does it look like here in Connecticut? You mentioned that uh, manufacturing plays a big part of our, our state's economy. What are we seeing in terms of growth? You know, it's very exciting because after literally 25 years of job declines in manufacturing, uh, where we saw a lot of, you know, uh, jobs leave that were in the textile industry, that were in the uh, manufacturing industry of guns and other things. Now we're seeing finally uh, first a flattening back in the, probably three or four years ago and now a resurgence. So last year the state created 4,000 net new jobs in manufacturing and it's largely driven by those three industries I just mentioned. Aerospace in particular has been extremely strong with uh, some of the major what they call OEMs in the industry, original equipment manufacturers, uh, leading the charge. So a Pratt & Whitney, a Sikorsky, uh, these a GE and Rolls-Royce, the big engine makers are seeing huge orders. In fact, uh, Pratt uh, describes it as having seven or eight years of backlog 
in front of them. And so they're now turning to their supply chain and working more closely with them to increase the volume so they can keep up with that and catch up to those back orders. So it's been a very good cycle for uh, for our industry here. And again, it's driven by the, the needs for our defense industry in, in part, but not entirely. A lot of it is commercial, which I think is very healthy and makes makes our economy less subject to the whims of the budgeting down in Washington, D.C. So it, all in all, it's really good news for manufacturers. And uh, we're very excited for the state. It's it's really going to be helpful, I think, for our economy. You're talking about the the commercial side. Give us some examples, because again, we always hear about the Pratt and Whitney, the Sikorsky, the electric boat contracts that that enable uh, them to hire sure. uh, the more uh, people to work for them. But what about this other side? Well, you know, for example, if you talk about Sikorsky, uh, you may recall that about a year and a half ago, the legislature passed uh, some legislation to support Sikorsky's effort. They had choices about where to build their new heavy lift helicopter. It's called CH-53K. By the way, I've learned a lot about helicopters that I never expected to. This is a humongous helicopter uh, that they had uh, choices of where to build it. And they did a competitive process in which they looked at a variety of different states and different operations they had, both within the Lockheed Martin family, who now owns Sikorsky, as well as in the Sikorsky plants, and ultimately landed on Connecticut with the support of the state. Um, And that means that that heavy lift helicopter, all of those uh, new helicopters will be built here in the state. And they've also, um, as part of that whole effort, agreed to keep the Sikorsky headquarters here for 20 years and do essentially all of the production for their defense-related helicopters here. So that includes the Black Hawk and a number of other uh, helicopters that have been in production for quite some time. So that's great. It means that uh, the 8,000 plus or minus uh, workers that are in the Sikorsky plant will continue to be here. And similarly, Electric Boat, which has been producing about one submarine a year in Connecticut, um, has recently gone to two submarines a year. And if the strategy that the Navy has laid out is absol- is implemented through the budget process, they could be as many as three submarines, uh, pr- you know, made here every year. So uh, it's very exciting. So, uh, Electric Boat now has as m- many employees here as they've had in over 30 years, about 16,100 employees in the state. That's more than they've had here for decades. So uh, we think this is a very exciting resurgence. And um, and so, as you pointed out earlier, one of our challenges is to make sure we have trained and really uh, capable people to fill those jobs. You mentioned the 4,000 net new jobs. Uh, since the recession, how's Connecticut doing in trying to get those the job numbers back from before the recession? You know, overall, for the private sector, we're now within shooting distance of that number. We are just a couple thousand short on the private sector jobs. We're, you know, actually quite a bit lower on uh, government workers, but I think that's not to be, uh, that should not be a surprise to everyone since part of what we've been doing the last several years is uh, shrinking the size of state government. In fact, our workforce is down by just under 15%. So uh, so you're not expecting those to rise, but our private sector jobs, again, within a couple thousand of the record that was set uh, previous to the Great Recession. 
This is where we live in studio with me, Catherine Smith. She's commissioner of Connecticut's Department of Economic and Community Development. Uh, we're talking about uh, growth and manufacturing this hour on where we live. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Coming up, we're going to learn more about some of the programs to train this next generation of manufacturing workers, especially when you hear uh, from companies, uh, big companies, who say they're ready uh, for uh, to put out new jobs to, to fill uh, demand. Uh, but we need to find skilled workers. And so we're going to find out a little bit more about uh, how the state is supporting those programs to train uh, students, uh, non-traditional students, uh, for these jobs. I wanted to go back when you're talking about Sikorsky's uh, new helicopter. Um, give us an idea when you say with state support. So what does DECD have to do to uh, convince Sikorsky, you know what, you can build that new helicopter here in Connecticut? You know, the Sikorsky team was really pretty much up front with us. They came to the governor and myself uh, early in their bidding process because they go through a bidding process with the Navy, of course. And they said to us, uh, we're looking at a variety of different sites. We love Connecticut because we have a very productive, very valuable workforce here. These folks know how to build helicopters. They've had many, many years of experience. And their productivity is better than any of our other sites. So they're they were a bit predisposed to come to Connecticut. But of course, sometimes our uh, businesses here cost a little bit more than other areas. And I, I think they recognize that the value created by the workforce would save them money in, over time. But when they looked at us relative to other states, they saw a, a small gap in their ability to meet the pricing that they knew they had to get to for the Navy. So uh, with that in mind, we went to the legislature and put together a package of incentives for them. So they, they can earn grant money or sales tax reductions every year so long as they keep the employment here, so long as they continue to make large capital investments here. And importantly, and this was something we did in the Lockheed Martin transaction that has not been done before, I don't think anywhere in the United States, we tied in the spend they had with their supply chain in the state as well. So whereas today they're spending about $350 million a year uh, with supply chain companies in the state, they're talking. They they've promised to double that number over the course of the 15 years or so that they're going to be building these new helicopters in the state. So it's truly a win-win. The state will end up with their coffers being fuller from a revenue from those new employees that they're going to be hiring, the new sales tax they'll be paying on equipment, and of course the the factoring in the downstream impact of the new hires at the uh, supply chain companies it even looks better so win for the state win for the company they get to be in their pref preferred choice at a price that they think the navy will go for so that's just a, a one of the the kinds of examples of what we've been doing but we also work with companies like that on their workforce development needs and uh, both with Sikorsky as well as many other companies, we've been trying to help bridge the gap between our technical schools, our community colleges, and you know, you'll hear from Mark in a bit, but many of the private sector universities and colleges in the state as well. We're getting a, a tweet from a listener, Kendra, uh, who writes, in the past 50-ish years, companies shifted from training their workforce to expecting workers and society to train workers with no guarantee they will get jobs at these companies. Companies get the benefits without the expense and risks of training. So how do you address that? Well, look, I, I'm not certain I completely agree with that. I think they are expecting uh, a bit higher level of uh, training, perhaps, on the graduates from a high school or a community college. But they, most of these companies in our state do a lot of their own training as well. And I think uh, one of the reasons the state has decided to step up and help in this regard 
is because the demand is growing so rapidly. It's growing in part because of the the, the new contracts I described that are coming from the federal government and from the private sector, but they are also coming because our workforce is a bit older than many others uh, across the nation and, of course, around the world. And so we know more people will be retiring out of our manufacturing workforce than might have in past years. So we have even a, a bigger hole to fill, if you will, not just from the growth that's expected, but from refilling those jobs. And we felt if we didn't do step up to make sure we had more seats in our in our manufacturing centers in the community colleges or more opportunity to help in our technical schools, that maybe those those workers would not emerge in this state. And then, of course, if there's not the people to fill the jobs, you know, the companies have to continue the work. So they'll go someone else, somewhere else to fill the job. You mentioned uh, state uh, support for uh, community colleges and technical high schools uh, to help train this next, uh, this next uh, manufacturing workforce. But are community colleges and high, high schools in the state, are your hands tied with how much you can uh, invest uh, so that these programs have the latest cutting edge yeah. technology to train these workers to take these new jobs? You know, um, one of the first things Governor Malloy did when he came into office was he and I took a listening tour all around the state. We visited about 500 companies, and we could not have heard more loudly from the manufacturing sector that they were looking at these opportunities that were coming in the way of new contracts. They were seeing the retirement needs. They said to us, we need to make investments in our community colleges. And so in the special session in 2012, the governor said, asked for and was agreed with the legislature to set aside $20 million to invest in our community colleges to do just what you talked about, to upgrade all their equipment, to actually expand the floor space in a number of these facilities as well, so that we could now, we have now doubled the number of, of graduates that come out of the community colleges every single year. And there's more work to be done. And I think, you know, Goodwin, you, which you'll hear about in a minute, has added a ton of, a whole new manufacturing school, which is going to help us. So we we found that to be very important. The federal government gave the state $15 million to increase the capacity in three more community colleges. So we took the best of our community colleges, which was as Nuntuck, which had a 99% placement rate, fantastic program. And we duplicated that now in seven other schools around the state so that the manufacturers all over the state can take advantage of the students coming out of those programs. So that's the kind of thing we've been trying to do with the state funding to support uh, the industry. And how? what have you been hearing from these companies? Has that been uh, good enough, uh, these, these recent graduates? Are these the ones that these companies are hiring? You know, there is no doubt there's sort of a waiting line at the door, I think, for most of the community colleges. Uh, students are being uh, hired very quickly. And of course, UConn with their engineering school is also seeing a number of their graduates uh, go into uh, manufacturing in the state as well, whether it be at Pratt or whether it be at some of these smaller companies. So the demand is clearly there from the industry. And I think they've been, uh, by all reports that I've talked to uh, companies, uh, they've been very well received and uh, they people feel like they're getting a good education. I think the community colleges have done a terrific job as well of creating boards of experts from the local manufacturers to help them make sure the curriculum that they're using meets the needs of those manufacturers to make sure that the kinds of things that they're teaching are current, that they're not teaching technologies from 25 years ago. So I think that that partnership is also very important to the success of the community college's efforts.
This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Catherine Smith is in studio today. She's commissioner of the State Department of Economic and Community Development, known as DECD. After the break, we'll learn about how manufacturing overall is doing in the state, a little bit more about that. Also, local efforts to train this next wave of manufacturing workers. Are you one of them? Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. If the manufacturing sector nationwide and here in Connecticut continues to recover jobs lost since the Great Recession, are there enough workers with the right training to fill these jobs? Major manufacturing companies say there is a need to build up a skilled workforce to satisfy thousands of jobs that will open up in the next decade. According to the Connecticut Business and Industry Association, local manufacturers will hire 13,000 people this year. Goodwin College in East Hartford has committed to training students to have the latest skills needed to land a manufacturing job. Their commitment comes in the form of plans to build a manufacturing annex on campus. And joining uh, me and Connecticut's Commissioner of the Department of Economic and Community Development, Catherine Smith, she's in studio with me. But joining us now is Mark Scheinberg, president of Goodwin College in East Hartford, Connecticut. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lucy and Catherine. Good morning. Can you let our listeners know a little bit more about Goodwin College, uh, how long you've been around, and what has been your focus in recent years, Mark? Well, Goodwin College has been around since 1999, and we are a little bit different than most colleges insofar as we absolutely focus on uh, vocations and getting people out and working. So we make no pretense about it. If one of our students are graduating and aren't working at the end of the process, we really have a problem with that. So we are very, very tuned into the business community, and we're very tuned in to finding those things that are the leverage points to get our state population into decent jobs. You said you're tuned into the business community. How have you partnered with these big manufacturers um, that we were just talking about? Oh, my goodness. Um, before we even started a manufacturing program, instead of uh, sitting with academicians and figuring out how a program might look, We've talked to literally hundreds of manufacturing uh, plants to find out what their needs were, what their most uh, what their most critical shortages were, and how best to bridge that for uh, students coming in from the outside. So they actually wrote our curriculum rather than the other way around. And now that we've done that, they're very highly bought into what we're doing. Uh, your earlier, uh, I think you're, you had a text from a lady named Kendra who said that companies expect experienced workers coming in before they, or trained workers before they come in the door. And truly what's happened now is we have a number of manufacturers who not only have bought in and given money to the development of these programs and to the equipment in those programs, but they're also paying students while they're at school so they can see them part-time and get an idea to see if it could be a, a smooth transition into the workforce. And in many cases, they're paying back students' tuition. Who are your students, Mark? You know, our students really run the gamut. Uh, traditionally, we're going to see a student who is about 28 years old. On average, about 50% are minority. 98% are from Connecticut, so they're not going anywhere. They're here to stay, and they're trying to work and make a, a life in Connecticut. And um, they run the whole gamut of the socioeconomic scale, but a lot of people are simply trying to find a decent job. 
so tell us a little bit more about your how you're heightening your focus on manufacturing. Uh, you've already invested, according to the Hartford Business Journal, a lot of money in uh, investing in the way that you're training uh, your students. But what else will you be doing uh, to help uh, uh, train this new uh, workforce that's needed in the next decade? Well, first of all, I have I can't go on without giving thanks to uh, Catherine Smith and DECD. Early on, they did help to leverage uh, some help with us and giving us some grants in order to get our program started, which we have multiplied many, many times over. But but it's those seed money uh, amounts that DECD puts in that makes these things uh, possible. But we collaborated with uh, Senator uh, with, with uh, Congressman Larson's office, and he got us together with Pratt and Whitney and the IAM, which is the Machinist Union, and uh, CCAT, and we have actually put together uh, these programs in support of uh, a number of students who, who come in. We run the gamut. We have everything from short-term certificates that are quick six-month certificates all the way uh, to full associate and bachelor's degrees in the manufacturing area. And, um, and so we're able to quickly turn around, and in the last couple of years, we have hundreds and hundreds of students that are now uh, receiving credentials at the college to be able to go out and get a manufacturing job. Mark, those those kids get jobs pretty quick, don't they? They get jobs incredibly quick. In fact, we have a we have to make an understanding with the employer that they won't just poach a student; they'll take a student out midway through a program. And so we've come to an agreement with them that they can take a student. Certainly. We, the primary goal is to get these students jobs, but they have to allow the student to continue to complete the program perhaps at night once they're already working. The getting of a job is not an issue. As was mentioned, there are 13,000 job openings in Connecticut, so um, we all have to be on board with this. This is a situation where you have to ramp up every community college, every uh, tech high school, and us, every resource you have, because this is a a once-in-a-generation opportunity to make a difference and keep our manufacturers and you know, help a lot of people who don't have jobs right now. Mark Scheinberg, again, is president of Goodwin College in East Hartford as we talk about uh, how uh, students and others are being trained uh, for uh, the many manufacturing jobs that are opening up here in Connecticut. Mark, you said that students are getting the jobs. Are they staying in these jobs? Yes. Um, actually, the only problem with them staying in the jobs is that, again, because there's such a shortage, companies tend to poach each other in order to find workers so that if they go into a job, uh, it often happens that once someone has some experience, the uh, company starts looking over their shoulder that another company might not steal that person away. Part of the reason I think why companies will pay for a student's tuition is to build loyalty with a student so that uh, you know, they won't leave that company at the first option they have to do so. What is the cost of education at Goodwin College? You mentioned that some of these companies will pick up the the, the tab uh, for these students to finish up their um, their degrees. But I'm curious of how much does it how much does it cost for students to start at Goodwin and finish? Yeah, our tuition for a, a CNC program is seventy seven hundred dollars. It's actually uh, just about the same as the community college short term programs. Uh, we're not constrained by state budgets, however, so. We have literally hundreds of openings that we uh, have been filling up. So, uh, and part of that money is covered under federal Pell grants. So it's usually some number that's that's much smaller than that. And so it's it's not that it's not that big a number for what occurs. 
Um, a little bit earlier, you were. I think the commissioner was talking about the number of people and the amount of money this could mean to the state coffers. Uh, you know, if you do the math, if someone's coming out and making fifty-five thousand dollars a year, which is what the DOL says is a typical starting salary, it means that that person is bringing into the state coffers within the first year, call it you know five thousand, six thousand dollars. At that rate, it means that these students generally will pay for themselves and pay back the state for what it costs them to put them through within a year, uh, or, or something you know comparable to that on the back of the envelope. But it's very, very cost effective. This is where we live. Um, again, Mark Scheinberg's on the phone with us, president of Goodwin College in East Hartford. In studio, Catherine Smith, Commissioner of Connecticut's Department of Economic and Community Development. Uh, Commissioner Smith, how much has the state invested uh, to help Goodwin uh, with this focus on manufacturing programs? Well, you know, I can't remember exactly the number with Goodwin, and maybe Mark remembers better than I do. But I, first, I want to thank Mark for having done what they did, because uh, and I think Goodwin has been just a great example of a very entrepreneurial school that recognizes an opportunity when they see it and jumped right in to say this is an area that the state needs uh, support. This is an area manufacturers need support. And they developed this program literally in the course of a year or so and got it in the marketplace. And so they've, again, helped contribute to having substantially more people every year available to the manufacturers to support. But when I look at the overall investment that the state has made in manufacturing, we created something a couple of years ago called the Manufacturing Innovation Fund. And this fund is really about helping uh, companies and individuals get the education they need and for uh, companies that are in the expansion mode, having the ability to get some help to buy that next piece of equipment or to make that next investment in their worker. From, from apprentices all the way through to incumbent worker training. And it's a matching grant program for, for in large measure. But what we've seen is about 900 companies of that 4,500 that you mentioned have taken advantage of this program. And these companies are the ones that are being asked by their, their customers, so their OEMs, if you recall, the original equipment manufacturers, are being asked to invest in advance of the revenue that they're going to see. And so having a program like Mark's where we can have uh, students go through those, uh, having the companies buy the equipment in advance and then put the people through the training on that equipment, it's really important so that when the business actually gets there, when they're actually having to make three times as many parts or a new part, they actually have the people in place to make it happen and the equipment. So Mark's team has been instrumental in helping and uh, we're grateful for everything that the school has done. Mark, how many millions has the state given you to help with this investment in the manufacturing programs that you have and are planning on having in the near future? Well, the state, the money we use specifically from the state, uh, DECD, was well over a million dollars that was put towards uh, equipment and uh, and facilities that support that equipment. We, it also helped to support something that's called an advanced manufacturing mobile lab. So we actually have this big tractor trailer that has been modified so we can take in, entire pieces of equipment, entire quality enhancement uh, prog- uh, program, we can put it all on, the, on the, this giant truck and actually bring it out to companies to do on-site incumbent worker training through that same fund that the commissioner was talking about. We can also use it to expose high school and, and middle school kids into manufacturing because, again, they don't see it anywhere. It does, there are no more comprehensive high schools that there used to be that students had the opportunity to know how to go into some of these fields. So for many students who come in, this is the first time they're exposed to the new manufacturing, which is very, very high tech, 
people think of manufacturing as as mom and pop's manufacturing place that was dirty, dark, and dangerous, I guess is the words they use. Uh, this is all programming. This is all watching big machines and uh, and robots making some pretty amazing stuff here in Connecticut. It literally, white floors is what you see in our manufacturers here. Uh, Commissioner Smith described Goodwin as very entrepreneurial, uh, the current, uh, just reporting that over the next two to three years, uh, there's plans to build a marina, a riverfront hotel, other mixed-use buildings, also residential retail that could serve students and renters. Um, When uh, people see uh, this kind of story, uh, there may be a a question of how um, you're using your money to reinvest in students. What would you tell them? Well, first of all, none of the money that we use for anything in development comes from students or student tuitions. Um, Typically, all we're trying to do is create an environment that makes it easy for students to come and make them happy with their environment. We uh, define ourselves as a community-based organization, which means that our responsibility is to our students, sure, first and foremost, but also to our community as well. So we're trying to build there on the banks of the river something that is quite special that will really uh, enhance East Hartford and that will enhance our local manufacturers as well. And so uh, I don't think, I I think they both actually very neatly take care of each other. In terms of being uh, entrepreneurial, you know, uh, we we started our nursing program about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, We are one of the few pockets in the nation where we're not really suffering a nursing shortage. And in large part, that's because Goodwin saw that this was a real opportunity for people to get a living wage, very akin to what's happening with manufacturing right now. But in manufacturing, you have a once-in-a-generation opportunity that you can take a lot of people, even people who are not traditional, typical students, and you can really create for them an opportunity for, for a lifelong job that's going to really bring back a lot to themselves, their family, and their community. I want to hear from one of the students at Goodwin College. Uh, Stephen Campbell is joining us by phone. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hello, how you doing? Good morning. So we were curious how you heard about Goodwin, and what are you? How, what have you been able to get out of the program? Well, I heard about Goodwin through a government-funded program called Best Chance. Um, I was enrolled in Goodwin in May of 2016. Since in the program, I've learned a number of skills in manufacturing. Um, basic entry-level skills, how to read blueprints, um, um, geometrical dimensioning and talents, um, hold hand mics, measuring tools, um, how to program machines, um, just a number of valuable tools that industries are looking for. About three-quarters out of the program, I gained employment at a manufacturing company. And um, now I'm entering my junior year towards my bachelor's, and I, I actually have employment at Goodwin working in a CNC lab, assisting students how to um, safely operate the machines. I understand that you said you're entering your junior year, so when you graduate, you're going to have a bachelor's degree in manufacturing management. Uh, what do you hope to do with that? Well, I'm looking to get in the manufacturing side and just continue working and building on the skills that I have. And I feel like it's a great opportunity because, like I've been hearing, there is a shortage, and companies are interested in looking for people that's properly trained. 
Uh, we heard uh, Mark Scheinberg and Commissioner Smith uh, say that the perceptions of, of manufacturing uh, have uh, are different from what uh, it re- is really like today in, in terms of, of not working in a dirty factory. What did, did you ever think that you would um, have a career in manufacturing? What were your perceptions before you started your 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 education, Stephen? Well, I never thought I had would have a career in manufacturing. Um, when I thought of manufacturing, I think of like it's described, dirty, dark. Um, what manufacturing is now is more advanced. CNC is computerized numerical control, so the computers are operating the tools to perform tasks to create different types of products from aerospace to defense to medical devices. Um, the, the company that I was employed for was a grinding shop they held tight tolerances. However, they were a mom and pop shop. It wasn't, it was, it was on the verge of transitioning into the more advanced side of manufacturing. So you kind of had a slight feel of what the old manufacturing field looked like. And it's just, it's, you could tell it's, it's taken a great change. That's interesting that you brought that bring you bring that up, Stephen. We've done a couple of different shows now on the impact of automation, and sometimes the perception is that automation is uh, taking jobs. But the, but uh, Mark Scheinberg, if maybe you could chime in here, uh, we've learned from talking with different experts that uh, automation, um, oftentimes with these uh, these the way these new ways of doing specific work, like maybe a computer is doing something that a person might have done thirty years ago, but uh, they still need people to operate these computers and to do this new work, this new technology. How are you uh, preparing these uh, students with your programs? I think you hit it right on the head. I think that the world has changed, and so it is true that a machine or or a uh, computer might take the role of two or three people that might be on a line. However, there is so much more work to be done that we now have that same person doing three lines. So the work is so plentiful that all it does is increase the productivity of workers, and in, in turn, it makes us able to compete worldwide. The reason why all this ma- advanced manufacturing is here is that this is not a situation, as it might be in more developing countries, where you just throw more people at a problem. This is a case where you have to do it smarter and more efficiently. And in Connecticut, we're very, very, very good at that. And so th- the kind of worker that you need looks a little bit differently. I don't want to have Stephen go off, too, without mentioning one thing. Stephen was actually, um, came to us through the, as he mentioned, the Governor's Best Chance program. Um, Manufacturing opens doors for people, as I mentioned earlier, who often don't have a shot. Um, We have done wonderful work with homeless veterans, with new Americans, uh, and with ex-offenders, where finally there's something that they can do, and manufacturers are more than willing to take a chance on giving someone uh, uh, you know, a better chance, and and uh, even it's one of those cases where people have just blossomed with the opportunity. Uh, Stephen, we heard um, Mark say earlier uh, that uh, you know, the people that are, are going through these programs, uh, young people, are sticking around. They don't want to leave Connecticut. Uh, what's your take? Or is this something? Do you want to stay in the state? Yes, I have intention of staying in the state. I feel it's a great opportunity to grow here. Well, that's good news. <laughs> it is good news. Because <laughs> we often hear about about the brain drain and people leaving to go to Boston, uh, for one, Commissioner Smith. Yeah, well, you know, and it, we do hear that, although I think the statistics are actually starting to turn, where Connecticut actually gained more in millennials 
in the last year than many other states out there. So I think it is starting to turn, and in part because I think we're doing a better job, although there's still more to be done, uh, to get our college and high school kids uh, aware of uh, the opportunities here in the state. And manufacturing is right up at the top of the list. It's fantastic. Uh, Mark Scheinberg, again, president of Goodwin College in East Hartford. Uh, Give us the timeline again of when this uh, new annex will be opening and how many more students uh, you hope to be serving. Well, the, the annex is actually opening, is breaking ground, the new one, in March. It'll take about 12 months to complete. Uh, that will allow us to primarily serve more high school students. Our hope is that the annex will be used certainly for our own two high schools, but also that it can be opened up to uh, the, regional, uh, the regional high schools so that they can come in and do this part-day program that we have that would sort of make up for the fact that there aren't comprehensive high schools, but also we're, we're offering it to the Connecticut Technical College System. We would love for them to use it part days to also create uh, more workers. So all that is happening. And then we're expanding our offerings as well. We have a, a brand new welding lab because Electric Boat is there and they're dying for, for people. And it's a quick run to, to uh, get a decent job. So the expansion in the programmatic side is also uh, taking off as well. Before we head to break, I wanted to go back to Commissioner Smith again. Uh, She leads the State Department of Economic and Community Development. Is there a case to be made for uh, reaching children uh, earlier than high school and college? And what can the state do to get kids to wrap their minds around working in manufacturing, taking these new jobs and using this technology? You know, you you couldn't be more right on because we we need those kids to be interested in this, and we've got to get them over that perception of the dangerous and dark and whatnot. So um, actually, Mark mentioned one of the things we've been doing during Manufacturing Month and through a program we call Dream It, Do It, uh, we are reaching into middle school kids to try to um, get them excited about what manufacturing can do. And his uh, mobile unit is fantastic to take in to a school because it's so hands-on that kids can actually see how uh, th- what that job might look like and how they can actually press a button and see a, a new part being made. So um, th- it's pretty exciting. But we're using social media. We're using traditional methods like um, fun events where there's little takeaways where manufacturers come and do kind of a job fair for kids, even though they're not hiring. Um, and so we're trying all the methods we can think of to to get to younger kids. And that is also uh, that program is also being funded out of our manufacturing innovation fund with a recognition that if you don't get kids excited now, you may you, they may never even consider looking at the technical schools or the community colleges or Goodwin um, in order to get that education. So it's really important. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. I want to thank Stephen Campbell for joining us again, a Goodwin College student. Good luck to you, Stephen. Thank you. Also, Mark Scheinberg is president of Goodwin College in East Hartford. Mark, thanks for joining the show. Always. Thanks, Lucy. To ECD, Commissioner Catherine Smith is going to stick around as we hear from one of the 4,500 advanced manufacturers that do business in the state. And we want to hear from you, too. Have you received training from a manufacturing program at the college or high school level? How has that experience served you? Join the conversation at the number 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, it's the deadliest drug crisis in our nation's history, and communities in Connecticut are coming together to talk about solutions. On the next Where We Live, we listen back to a recent panel discussion about the opioid crisis that we hosted at Gateway Community College in New Haven. What's the best way to support individuals and families battling substance abuse when one size doesn't fit all? You can join the conversation. That's tomorrow. Now, today we've been looking at manufacturing in the state as well as efforts to train high schoolers to non-traditional college students with the skills needed to fill these jobs. In studio with me, Catherine Smith, State Commissioner of the Department of Economic and Community Development. Now, most Connecticut residents know the big manufacturers in our state, Electric Boat, Pratt & Whitney, Sikorsky. But these big companies rely on thousands of smaller manufacturers. Joining our conversation now is Max McIntyre, President of Aerospace Component Manufacturing. Also Vice President at New England Airfoil Products in Farmington, Connecticut. Max, welcome to the show. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about uh, your company and the ripple effect uh, towards uh, manufacturers such as yourself when we've got uh, these big contracts that uh, the big manufacturers I mentioned are trying to fill, how they rely on your company. Well, New England Airfoil Products has been around since 1955. It was actually started by George Einstein, Albert Einstein's nephew. Uh, we specialize in the manufacturing of uh, very tight tolerance airfoils for aerospace, both on the commercial and military side, uh, oil and gas and industrial gas turbines, as well as, as land turbines. Um, we've been around, like I said, since 55, and over the past year we've grown uh, quite a bit uh it's an exciting time and it's, it's an exciting time it's probably the most exciting time in the history of aerospace in this state and it's a great time to be in connecticut and it's a great time to be a manufacturer who are the over pe- the past year uh we have we have grown by 56 people we went from 42 and have added 56 since the same time last year Max, who are the people you're hiring? We were just talking about um, the students that are learning uh, these new skills to get these jobs. Who are the people that are applying, and what are you looking for? Well, we are actually taking uh, full advantage of all of the community colleges and the state universities uh, who specialize in these advanced manufacturing programs. Stephen over at Goodwin uh, is an example. Now, he, he doesn't work for us, but I went to a career fair at Goodwin College several months ago and I hired four people the next day from that program. I've also hired people from Naugatuck Valley and people from Asnantuck. Uh, the, the skills that they have, that they come out of these programs with, really, really uh, are, are a great benefit to us because they have a great foundation to come in and do five-axis CNC machining. We're getting a, a Facebook message uh, from a listener. I wanted to read this to you. Um, she's turning 50 this year. She's owned a home and office cleaning business for the last 22 years, but she's looking for her next step as far as uh, her working is concerned. She wants to know, would turning to working in manufacturing and getting an education there be a smart move for her? Are there jobs for people her age? Uh, there are jobs for, for everybody. Um, it, it, age is, is not an issue. Uh, it's the desire to be lifters and not leaners. It's the desire to come into a company and add to the culture and, um, and be able to uh, perform the, the, the processes and the, the tasks that we need performed and, you know, to be a, a, a good part of the company.
Um, uh, Commissioner Smith, uh, I think also what Kelly's getting at is it's it's uh, hard to make that next step to completely try a new line of work. And so you have to uh, fit in uh, getting education, possibly with your day job, uh, trying to find the money to pay for that, and wanting to be sure that once you get that degree or certificate, that there's a job waiting for you. Absolutely. And I understand that completely, although I do think manufacturing is a terrific place to reinvent your career at this point. And, you know, there are programs to help students. Um, We have a pre-apprentice and an apprenticeship program now that the state is helping to fund. Companies pay, you know, part. Students pay a little bit. But we help pay the tuition bills. We help pay the first-year salaries. And and then a student can be learning at the same time that they're working, which means that they can offset the cost of being in education by having some income at the same time. And these apprenticeship programs – uh, we expanded dramatically uh, but with the Manufacturing Innovation Fund, when going from funding about 750000 a year to funding $7 million a year to try to, again, upgrade and get more talent into the pipeline so that companies like Max's can take full advantage of them. Uh, Max, uh, is there anything more the state needs to do to help you uh, and your workforce? Again, you said that you're doing well. You expect to continue to grow. Uh, What more can be done to get the right people uh, in front of you to hire them? Well, as a matter of fact, what uh, Commissioner Smith is talking about is I'm actually at planning an event right now for the ACM. We have one of our branches is the Workforce Development Branch. And one of the things that we try to do, we have 120 members in this organization, is we try to make sure that our membership is well-informed about these programs that she was just specifically speaking, of the uh, Manufacturers Innovation Fund, incumbent training, incumbent worker training dollars, and also apprenticeship dollars. Uh, it's not complicated. It's not difficult. Uh, so these these programs and getting the word out um, – is is critical for this this industry right now in this state. So I think the state is doing quite a bit on that level, uh, both at the university and the community college level, and then the uh, the manufacturers innovation fund and getting that word out. Well, I want to thank Max McIntyre for joining us for a few minutes, president of Aerospace Component Manufacturers, vice president of New England Airfoil Products in Farmington. Max, thank you for calling in. You're welcome. We have a couple of minutes left uh, with DECD Commissioner Catherine Smith. I wanted to to go back to um, some just some policies, uh, national policies that can impact manufacturers here at home. Um, when we look at uh, the solar tariffs uh, recently um, implemented from the Trump administration, the uh, proposal that was post, supposed to protect American solar panel manufacturers. What are you even hearing from Connecticut solar companies? Is this going to hurt them? There, I think the companies are worried in general. We, you know, we do not have manufacturers of solar panels here, but the installers, which has, ver- has grown dramatically in the last few years. So these are the guys that go up on your roof and actually install the, the panels. They are concerned over time that this could drive up the cost of the panels and then make people less excited about this. But having said that, you know, one of my other hats is I, um, I have the pleasure and the honor to chair the board of directors of the Green Bank. And they've instituted a number of new programs uh, that help residential uh, owners as well as commercial property owners in uh, financing some of these, uh, you know, high-tech, low-carbon emission new types of systems. And so the the Green Bank will pick up 100% of the financing for you and use the savings from the panels or the, you know, the fuel cell or whatever it is you install in your home. 
uh, they will use the savings to pay for the debt service over time on that financing. Really great programs that we think will survive regardless of what happens on the you know the pricing of the panels. You mentioned the green bank. Isn't that is that one of the funds that the legislature took funds out of to help with their yeah. with their uh, deficit? So are we going to see these programs not being as impactful as they could be because of that legislative move? Look, you know, we at the green bank are very disappointed by the decision uh, to cut. It's about fifty percent of the That's of the ratepayer dollars that have been going towards creating a more green environment here in the state, a greener, cleaner, more uh, cost-effective environment. But the Green Bank is solidly in business. It's got many programs that will continue. Uh, So I think the Green Bank will be fine, but I think the legislature made a a bad decision, and I'm hopeful that maybe they'll reconsider that as uh, as they reconvene next week. Also, uh, with uh, the tax plan uh, from uh, President Trump, is it too soon to see how that may impact businesses here in Connecticut? We heard that Cigna's raising their minimum wage. Is it going to be more than just uh, one-off bonuses? What's going to be the the true uh, impact for reinvestment? Is it too soon to tell? I think it's a bit early to tell. There's been, as you know, nationally, a few companies that have stood up and said, this is what we're planning to do. I, I applaud Cigna. They're, they're going to be matching more in the 401k plan, which I think is a great long-term investment for their employees uh, with that extra funding. Uh, but I think it's a wait-and-see situation. And I think for some of these companies, it's a wait-and-see situation as well. How will the market re- respond? What will happen to pricing for their products? All of those things are still to be uh, determined. We got another tweet. At, uh, the person writes, Lynn Welding is a great small shop that the big companies rely on. They're growing, expanding, and excelling in the fields of welding and machining. Life is good in the manufacturing sector in Connecticut, signed a resistance welder's wife. So uh, good to Perfect. hear it. Glad to hear it. <laughs> well, I want to um, thank uh, Commissioner uh, Catherine Smith again. She leads Connecticut's Department of Economic and Community Development uh, since 2011. Um, we appreciate you coming in. Hopefully we can have you come back. Uh, Again, the economy and Connecticut's fiscal health tied together. Sure. Happy to do it. Thank you, Lucy. I appreciate your time. Uh, Today's uh, show produced by senior producer Lydia Brown. Special thanks to Carmen Baskoff. Our technical producer is Kyone Wolf, WMPR's executive producer, Katie Tolarski. Learn more about the show, wmpr.org slash where we live. I'm Lucy Nopithanchel. Thanks for listening.